This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, Adina Friedman leads the agenda at CES with a stirring keynote. While Nasdaq Verifin highlights the extent of financial crime, Carter's valuation is torn up, the SEC is yet to master 2FA, as Nikkei invests in Wilshire indexes. Is Mr FTSE remaking the band? And the FIA worries about a 7x margin hike. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest, episode 228. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Resilience is useful, went our parish note headline in the Exchange of Information, the Exchange Invest newsletter, about Adina Friedman's 2024 agenda-setting LinkedIn article, which was followed by her excellent keynote discussion at CES Las Vegas, the first exchange boss to address that remarkable exhibition. One elegant key phrase is well worth affixing to the water cooler of all offices. What is different about 2024 is the necessary shift in mindset, complexity and a moderated but real cost of capital are here to stay. And therefore, it's incumbent upon us to build a long-term strategy to lead through these dynamics. It's certainly fascinating how that moderated but real cost of capital is already impacting the real world. There's a link to the whole article with the transcript to this podcast in our show notes for this weekly Exchange Invest podcast at exchangeinvest.com. Then came the Nasdaq Verifin Financial Crime Report 2023. Eye-popping numbers, an estimated size of $3.1 trillion as a whole. That consists of, amongst other segments, $783 billion in drug trafficking activity, $347 billion in human trafficking, and $11.5 billion in terrorist financing. Financial crime is easily equivalent to the GDP of the world's sixth largest country, the UK. The drugs business is just slightly less than Switzerland's GDP. Hence the welcome, if worrying, reading presented in the Nasdaq Verifin Financial Crime Report. There's $485.6 billion in bank-related fraud related here alone. That's part of a report which galvanises a discussion of the issues, creating a call to action for the financial industry, well beyond just the parish, but no less relevant to market infrastructure. In the end, a lot of the problems can be avoided, or at least risks significantly reduced with relatively small but detailed checks, it seems. But of course, there remains a huge need for stringent processes and better approaches. The end result of financial crime is not merely financial losses, but time which must be spent on fraud aversion, which could otherwise be used productively to help grow the economy. Instead, there is a tedious new welter of bureaucracy just trying to run a business, pay suppliers and get paid in a world with so many thieving scumbags in the shadows of the interweb and beyond. For a lot of these issues, a signed modicum of pre-planning, common sense and being streetwise will go a long way. For everything else, and no, they didn't pay for the endorsement, it's worth mentioning there's a Verifin solution within the Nasdaq group. Meanwhile, Carta has not collapsed, but it is vastly reduced from the $7.4 billion private registry giant it amounted to last week. Then again, the demise via its mega Chinese wall failures wasn't the first sign of issues at the firm. Last year, the Carta CEO, Henry Ward, had reached out via Medium, complaining about the media with what amounted to, according to PR professionals, a suicide note. 
At once, Henry Ward showed, and indeed he did so again last month, his own petulance and naivete or hubris, and moreover drew more attention to the media criticism in the first place. His behaviour in first apologising while simultaneously blaming his first critic, who had been called via his private cap table details about a private company he already owned, was in the same vein this month. There was a lot more about this in Exchange Invest, but the bottom line is that despite its core 40,000 customers, Carta is likely pretty sticky, but at the same time it needs to find a new purpose as 40,000 clients at even the higher end of $10,000 per annum doesn't amount to anything remotely like the current $7.4 billion valuation. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Over in BitCarnage, a fuel leak has fatally compromised the private mission to the moon. The rocket will instead be doomed to rattle around space until it either falls back to Earth or gets clobbered by some other space junk. Thus, the BitMEX manifestation of a Bitcoin with a wallet code inscribed upon it serves as some form of poetic testament to the Crypto V 1.0 movement. The SEC was embarrassed and doubtless needs to fine itself, as apparently the person hacking the X account was facilitated by the SEC not using 2FA. That's two-factor authentication for those who work in said agency. Meanwhile, if you want some as-owned-by-FTX real estate, now's the time. Bankrupt FTX is selling its luxury Bahamaian property portfolio via the bankruptcy proceedings. The issue here may be the sheer size of the portfolio and how it could skew the Bahamas and particularly New Providence market. The original $300 million portfolio of acquisitions was a huge percentage of turnover when they were acquired during 2021. And that was a record year. But even so, without the largesse passed through from the investors to SPF at all, and we have seen record numbers more recently, nonetheless, for example in 2021, there was only $1.8 billion of property transacted in the whole country, $1.3 billion of that in New Providence itself, of which FTX, SPF et al. amounted to some $300 million, as we mentioned before. The Bahamas real estate market was pretty buoyant throughout 2023, but is it sufficiently buoyant to easily absorb the FTX portfolio without deep discounts? Finally, in this review of BitCarnage from the course of the week, an interesting aside in lawfare. Is the PERMA overrepresented, but does he listen to any of them, SBF, who has another new counsel? He's hired... The man who represented Nicholas Trevor Milton. Trevor Milton, unless you're not aware, was the man with an electric truck which didn't have any electrics. The marketing video was nonetheless captivating where they let the truck roll down a hill in Utah to show the engine that did not exist. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage as a standalone, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto, digital assets and related market structure is a standalone product on Substack. The FIA is troubled, and I quote, by the absence of any apparent cost-benefit analysis that considers these important negative impacts of the proposals on end-users and on systemic stability. FIA urges the US bank regulators to fully consider and analyse these impacts before finalising these rules. That's in relation to US bank capital proposals, which would increase capital requirements for client clearing by at least 80 percent 
not an edifying spectacle for the world of derivatives, nor indeed for the maintenance of, say, fundamental profitability at US banks going forward if they're closed off from these avenues of risk transfer. NASDAQ Europe, they are going to try and lure derivatives clearing from post-Brexit London. It's a play on EU protectionism, allied with possible niche Scandinavian demand for cross-collateralisation in the local regional markets that may not feel inclined to clear Paris, Milan or Frankfurt. Elsewhere, there's a magnificent article by Laura Cha as she enters the last lap of her chairmanship of Hong Kong exchanges. Stock exchanges can be pillars of trust in a turbulent world. Here, here we say. Meanwhile, there was optimism about IPOs in the US during 2024 from Nasdaq's Adina Friedman in Las Vegas and NICE's John Tuttle in Davos. However, that was counterbalanced with a very worrying moment of despicable behaviour. The police got ahead of the issue though, as a BBC headline noted, six people were held over a plot to disrupt the London Stock Exchange. Terrorism is never the answer. It was a busy week for results in the parish. One key set of results, Interactive Brokers Group, they missed Analyst expectations, which caused some people to get very upset, but nonetheless, look at these headline numbers. They've beaten the $4 billion of annual revenue and $3 billion profit mark with a profit margin of 71%. Who said exchanges of high profitability on wafer-thin margins? They look like amateurs by comparison here. This is quite an achievement by IBKR, no doubt about it. In new markets this week, the Mercantile Exchange of Vietnam is going to build specialised commodity trading floors and the Slovenian-Serbian-Hungarian Power Exchange should start operating in six months' time. In deals, quite a busy week for deals in the parish. All of them were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. Deja vu, one more time, four decades on, the man who bought us the FTSE index. Mark Bigpiece is now in charge of Wilshire indexes and has brought in a new direct 8% Nikkei stake, which sits alongside the 12% stake of the Nikkei subsidiary, the Financial Times. Readers will recall that FT sold their stake in FTSE to LSE some years back. How very interesting in every respect, Mark Makepeace looks to be on fire in an environmentally friendly way. For example, he previously expanded his Wilshire portfolio for decarbonisation indexes with both Nikkei and Hang Seng in Asia. Good for Mark. I wonder if LSEG have yet begun to wonder if they shouldn't have promoted him instead of employing out of his depth, Dave. To understand how a life is being affected and markets by technology. Check out my latest book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. It's a binary world and Victory or Death is published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Can your career afford to be without a read? While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesdays at 5pm London time, midday New York time. It's the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid with, amongst other great luminaries, well, for example, the man we mentioned just a few moments ago, Mark Makepeace, the on-fire boss of Wilshire Indices. In our most recent show, we were looking ahead to 2024 with Susan Giddle and Ira Harris. And coming up this week, John Files is going to discuss disruption and growth. This from the man who helped grow the competitor exchange to the Australian Stock Exchange from a mere 4% to over 20% market share in the secondary market. 
Meanwhile, our finance book of the week, it seems appropriate after we were looking forward towards 2024 and a very volatile 2024 our experts are perceiving there. We have got Charles Kindleberger's absolutely brilliant Manias, Panics and Crashes, updated after his death by Robert Z. Alibar. If you're trying to understand the business of Manias, Panics and Crashes, you need a copy of Kindleberger in your life. Don't forget, if you want to get ahead of the market and understand and know what our book of the week recommendation is, you can find that every week in our Saturday free edition of Exchange Invest, the Exchange Invest weekend edition. That's a broader, more global, macro-based product. You can sign up to that at exchangeinvest.com. And while you're there, why don't you take the box and sign up for a free month's subscription to Exchange Invest, the Bulletin of the Bourse Business. Prices are going up this week from $349 to $375. Get in now and you hopefully can snag a bargain before prices go up. Product news this week. The SEC have approved a regulatory framework for Sri Lankan infrastructure bonds. And in technology, great news from Argentina, the CSD, Calle de Valores, have adopted NASDAQ technology to modernize the nation's global post-trade infrastructure. That could come at an apt time, of course, with the new President Millet being in office. That's another useful CSD integration for NASDAQ in South America, weeks after their sale of tech stack to Noamex. That's the unified Santiago, Lima and Colombian stock exchanges. JSE, the Jamaica Stock Exchange, they're shortening their settlement period for stock transactions. They're going to be doing from the existing T plus 2 down to T plus 1. That comes not that long after Jamaica actually went from T plus 3 down to T plus 2. Meanwhile, look out for a hit to algorithmic trading platforms as China's commodity bourses have tweaked trading rules and incentives therein. That's going to be a bit of a blow to the quants. Career paths this week, ADQ has announced the appointment of His Excellency Ganambuti as Al-Musri as the new chairman of the Abu Dhabi Securities Exchange and the London Stock Exchange has promoted LCH's Dan Maguire to Chief Strategy Officer. That's going to be cumulative to his LCH CEO role. Finally, big news from Euroclear. The succession is made. Valerie Urban is going to be succeeding Leave Mostry as the CEO of Euroclear Group. It's interesting to ponder in big world, ladies and gentlemen, that Russia has a presidential election on March 17th. Presumably Vladimir Putin is not overly worried about the Irish vote as it's also the patron saint of Ireland, St. Me, as one might call it today. However, in Ukraine, due to martial law as a result of Vlad's invasion, there may not be a presidential election. Interesting to consider in the Ukrainian context that the USA managed to have a presidential election with Abraham Lincoln winning the Electoral College by a significant margin in 1864, while the Civil War itself would rage on into 1865. However, that's probably not even the most staggering story of the week. The Wall Street Journal ran a blunt headline, and it's a hundred, if not a thousand, if not a million percent true in these post-quantitatively eased times. American finance has left Europe in the dust. The tables aren't turning. As noted by Exchange Invest frequently of late, the 15-year legacy of Euro failure. US growth has been 82% over the course of the last 15 years. EU growth a paltry 6%. The EU was 10% larger than the US economy in 2007. By 2022, it was 33%, a full third smaller than the dynamic entrepreneurial USA. Meanwhile, 
In Europe, the battle to rearrange the Titanic deck chairs post-Brexit continues apace. I simply cannot fathom why. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, thank you for listening in to this EI Weekly Podcast number 228. Join us daily via exchangeinvest.com for the exchange of information, the water cooler of the Bourse business. Or if you have a new exchange you'd like built, please get in touch. My name is Patrick L. Young and I wish you a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.